Hello and welcome back once again to Behind the Bench with Neil Francis, the podcast which has a deep dive into devil's history each and every week with a different topic, a different slant to bring you the truth and to bring you the facts of what happened. I am Gareth Hewish and I am joined as always by John Donovan. Uh, hello guys, how are you? I'm very well, thank you John, how are you? Oh, all the better for having a beer tonight, thank you. <laughs> and you're back on the memory juice with everyone else, Richard. <laughs> yes. And uh, of course, uh, joined by Neil Francis. Hi guys, good to be back in the studio. <laughs> we, we can of course call it a studio because no one can see nope. where we actually And we are going to update the rig now that we've um, done a few episodes of this, so uh, it will improve week on week. Speaking of improvements, our numbers for the Sheffield episode that we did last week were outstanding it was by far our most listened to episode no to seven <laughs> it was it was up to seven even my mum listened this week so it was uh, a big improvement uh, no doubt uh, a lot of uh, folk from sheffield tuned in for the first time hopefully you've gone and had a look into the archives as well. That's what happens when you mention Dave Sims, isn't it? <laughs> you get Simsy to, to tweet it, word gets out, viewing figures go up, figure it out. Well, credit to him, not only did he tweet it, he tweeted like a minute-by-minute play-by-play of it. We are looking forward to, to catching up and, and finding out uh, yeah. the added bits to the, those stories. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a passport incident which uh, we, we got close to finding the truth of, but uh, David yeah. will no doubt tell us the full uh, skinny on that one. Yeah, we also had one of our regular listeners, a certain Simon Keaton of Devil's Fame. Absolutely. Um, he reminded me of, you know, we were talking in there about the Nottingham rink somehow. I don't yes. know how we got from Sheffield to Nottingham and the netting and almost sitting in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And um, there's something we always talk about when, uh, obviously, we're, we're on the bench and we're, we're mm-hmm. looking to uh, cause as much havoc as possible and, you know, chirp away. And I remember Keats was chirping at Garth Premack, who was, yeah. if you remember Garth Premack, you know, big lumberjack yeah, guy. Yeah, Team Canada, yeah. Yeah, very, very solid guy. And Premack had enough of, of Keats uh, lifting him <laughs> off. So he punched him and Keats landed in, like, I think, the third row <laughs> of, uh, <laughs> of, of, the, uh, of the rink there. Yeah. And with that netting that was behind the, the back, he quickly tried to jump up, yeah. you know, so he could get back into his place so it didn't look too bad. And his helmet was stuck in the netting. So, yeah, you imagine the ridicule he had from all the, the Nottingham fans sat down the bench. Excellent. <laughs> Although he still got the most penalty minutes in that bench clearance, didn't he? I always, I've talked to you about that before and I've talked to him about <laughs> it. In the whole of the bench, he, he, you know, he, Keats was a, a good player but maybe didn't get fantastic ice time that season. Um, but somehow managed to be on the ice for that bench clearance and pick up a record number of penalty minutes. Yeah, well, I've played on various teams with Keats, you know, junior right way through to the Devils. And that's something that's a common theme. There was, uh, you know, there was that bench clearance, I think. He went back into it after it all calmed down. He was one of the first to get dragged out. And he was like, why did they grab me? But then that just gave him an opportunity to go back. So he probably picked up another couple of uh, misconducts. And there was another one where we were in Chelmsford for yeah. the, I think it was the Rage or whatever yeah. um, team we were playing for at the time. And uh, he ended up picking up, which I th- it might even still be a British record. It was like six gross misconducts in a row, which, which ended up with him skating around the Chelmsford ice rink um, with the heavyweight belt around his waist, <laughs> goading all the fans. So that Brilliant. didn't go down too well with the disciplinary committee. Goes down well with me, though. There's a heat, we've got to get heat on for an episode. Yeah. Of, of the rage, oh, it's going to be 
something and uh Betsy Sacatini was in town he was as well yeah. I've seen the tweets so yeah uh, you catching up with Vez I assume that all he talked about was this podcast and how much he's enjoying it yeah he is he's a huge fan <laughs> uh, so hi Vez because we know he's listening Absolutely. um but no it's great to catch up with Vez um you know Vez still talks so so fondly about his <laughs> time in Cardiff you know he literally said it changed his life and well it did he met his wife here he did. um but he was uh really excited to be back and you know uh, I met up with him, came over my house, we had a barbecue, but uh, he also, it was also good to see pictures from, you know, long-term Devils fans that, uh, you know, he'd, he'd gone out of his way to spend some time with them and sort of done the rounds to catch up with everyone, so... I had a cup of coffee with him, and his son is a very good prospect, Franny. I've, I've got to champion him to, to, to you and to Mr. Keep it Kelman. down, keep it down. <laughs> yeah. Terrible, terrible plays, never going anywhere. Never going anywhere. <laughs> right, so that's the housekeeping done, so let's get right in. So this episode and this episode is all going to be about pre-season insights and uh, big incidents that have happened in pre-seasons past and a little insight into trips away that the Devils have had over the years. And just to sort of give the rundown, we're in that time now. The, uh, the Devils have just had their first couple of pre-season games uh, for the current season on the weekend. So let's do a, a dive into some pre-season highlights in Devils history. But what I'd like to start with, Franny, is as a player, we hear in other sports about pre-season being uh, a living hell for some people and whatnot. What was it like for you? Did you dread pre-season? Did you like it? What was it like for you? Yeah, it was always weird um, speaking to guys from other sports. So, you know, being a, a sportsman, you get to, you know, meet up with, with guys from other sports and, you know, made quite a few friends from, um, from the rugby and you know normally the you know the summer is you get a chance to go out on the weekend so mm -hmm. so you know you, you're all out there and then very very early on in the summer when we're you know right in the middle of party mode they'll be like oh my god i got pre-season on monday and you're like hang on what are you on about it's june and, <laughs> you know, and they, they've got this kind of six weeks of yeah. being absolutely beasted um before they even think about uh you know the exhibition games um so going back there was always a you know, a lot shorter pre-season than there is now. Um, so, it, and it was all, it, it was a lot less professional than it is now as well. I mean, now you see the guys coming in, they're getting fitness tested day one. Yeah. They then be out of, uh, out <laughs> of shape um, or carrying any excess pounds. You know, where back in our day, it was probably you used it as... Uh, sweat it uh, off. Yeah, to, to shake the rust off and, and sweat out some of the booze and, and drop a few pounds that you put on over the summer. <laughs> Um, for me, I mean, I, back then, not now, um, was somebody that lost a lot of weight during the season and struggled to put the weight back on. Um, so I was used to use the, the summer, the summers to build weight, mm -hmm. try and get up to probably over my playing weight deliberately because I knew I was going to yeah. lose it as you get into the intensity of the season. Um, but yeah, for, we, we would all be in sort of local and having access to, to the ice, whether it was, you know, Wales National Ice Rink or the BBT. Um, we'd always skate throughout the summers anyway, which was a lot of fun, especially when we were downtown. Yeah. Um, meeting up with the boys six o'clock on a Saturday, going out and have a few scrimmage, beers in the dressing room after, and off into town. It was it was perfect. Mm -hmm. um, but then you know, come preseason time, no matter how much training you've done, there's always that kind of w when you start getting a bit more intense. Um, one of the the things that's on your mind is is. Try not to get injured in preseason because you always get those little kind of groin pulls and stuff like that. 
Um, so you're trying to manage your way through that and, and get back into sort of game shape, um, as well as obviously integrate into the new teams and uh, you know team bonding was always a, a big part of our pre seasons. Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's still a need for the the team bonding experiences. Um, you know, we just I saw photos yesterday of yeah. the guys playing foot golf and you know having a couple of beers doing that. It's very important to kind of get your guards down a bit. You know, just get a bit loose and uh, and enjoy each other's company. Get to know your teammates. Um, so you know, there there is a, a very big uh, important role that preseason plays. Um, and then of course you get into the games as well, which is what you've probably been thriving because mm. um, you know you haven't had those for for three three four months and you're itching to get back playing. So you know, always massively look forward to the first few preseason games. From a fan perspective, John, what are the what are the positives of preseason? It's sometimes a little bit love hate. Some people love going into preseason to see the new guys. Some people think that maybe it's not as full on. Yeah. Um, sometimes, of course, you look into some of the things we're going to talk about. That's not true. No. <laughs> but, um, no. As a fan, when you you were, you were looking forward yeah. to the new season, was preseason something you you actively look forward to? Absolutely, because it was it was ending the drought. I think if you're uh... Uh, I guess a hockey obsessive as as I was when I'm growing up I was growing up and and to a large degree still now um <laughs> you know I was looking forward to um we're recording this on the on the Tuesday after the weekend just gone the first pre I was looking forward to that Spoilers. Saturday game sorry yes <laughs> um because even though the preseason is 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 shorter now it would still be you know what, since the, the first weekend of April that the, I'd seen the, the Devils play. So I still get that excitement for the, the first game of the season. And, and when you've brought in some new players, you, you know, want to get the, the, the feel of, of, of what they're like and, and what they can do. And, and you know, if you're um, pretty anal like you and I, Gaz, and obviously, you know, with you <laughs> uh, doing the, the commentary, you start looking at line combinations. I and thought that was just me go- being a total nerd. No. So you guys do it as well. No, we do that. Absolutely. Oh, I, I made lots of notes. I weekend. bored my girlfriend stupid on yeah. the weekend going, oh, so he's going out with him now. So I yeah. if that's going <laughs> to... I bored my wife stupid, then I went to the hockey afterwards. Um, so no, it's, it, it's, it's, it's about kind of just getting back into the groove. It's about, for, as a fan, I think it's about getting back into the routine. It's about, you know going to the rink and I always it's gonna sound really weird that when you first walk in and, and that smell again of the ice and the and the uh, and the arena and the I don't know the stale hot dogs and, and, and that sort of thing it's 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 ritual isn't it and um, it's somewhere that I'm I'm comfortable so I'm I'm grateful for the the more professional era that Franny's talking about and luckily the CHL for the devils these days because it means those pre-seasons come sooner and the the off season is is shorter because you know, you go back a, a, a few years, particularly in the, the BBT, when maybe the Devils weren't quite as um, uh, well-resourced or professionally run as they are now. And, you know, you'd go from that first weekend in, in April to, to not seeing hockey again till really the last weekend in August. Uh, and that was a long drought. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take in any hockey in preseason that I can. And it's, it's like one of the times when there's the biggest buzz, I feel, as well, because... Everybody, every team in the league is all of a sudden, you know, you're starting from, from scratch, aren't you? So um, you've got the new signings coming in, all the speculation about who's going to be the stars in the league. Everybody's positive about their team at this yeah. side of the year, and the, at this time of the year, um, thinking that, oh, this guy that we brought in, he's going to be the best thing ever. And some of them go on to be the best thing ever, mm-hmm. and other ones go on to be, you know, yeah. big disappointments. And 
Um, but this time of the year, it, it you know I, I, I love all the kind of speculation Absolutely. and the buzz that uh, being hockey starved brings, and then you know the excitement that all the signings and everything. Yes. Um, you know, or if you're up in Fife, then you know still got the speculation about who you're going to sign. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think I might have signed there. I'm not sure. <laughs> is that where they hold it off? I think <laughs> they're trying to find someone else. <laughs> um, so we're looking at kind of different preseasons from uh, history. Sometimes they are pretty much exclusively at home. Um, other times they are abroad. From a player perspective, did you prefer that trip away to get the bonding going, or were you looking for kind of home comforts that you were to get yourselves in the groove? No, any time that you hear you going away for preseason, <laughs> yeah, it's just absolutely music to your ears, and especially when you're a younger guy. I'm sure for the for the sort of married guys, it mm. wasn't you know uh, so welcome because uh, they knew they were probably going to get a headache. Or maybe it was. Maybe very, it was. Very, very welcome <laughs> to, to get away from uh, from normal life. But um, no, when uh, yeah, when when we get told that uh, preseason is away, it's just like it's, it feels like you're being paid to go on holiday. You know, not not that it is a holiday, but you know that's the kind of feeling you get. What would have um, been the first one for you? Would it first have been one that breast was one? breast in the in the Super League yeah. days. So I think it's the first year of the Super League. Yeah. Um, so obviously there's all the kind of hype around this Super League being created and Sir John Hall's in yes. money and Sky TV have come in and, you know, this hockey's going to be taken from here to, you know, tenfold in, in a year or so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we end up going to Brest for pre-season um, to play a couple of challenge games, but, you know, over there first for, for a training camp. I think it's probably a, a week or something like that. Yeah. So, uh, you know, a real good chance to... Uh, to get to know your teammates and you know that particular year was quite unique you know like you say we're coming into this kind of new dawn of um a bit more money in the game um and we'd signed the majority of our team but then i mean we've talked about it a little bit before on the podcast uh that particular year um we had uh paul hevey had invited some trialists mm-hmm. so uh, a guy we were just talking about, Vesio Sacratini, we still joke to this day, you know, about, uh, I was the one that was actually went to Heathrow Airport to pick up Vez. Um, so I was the first met, guy you met in the country yeah. and, you know, we still talk about him as the greatest walk-on ever to, uh, <laughs> to have turned up for a trial and then gone on a team. I actually got the lowdown from Vez on that because I couldn't, you know, thinking back on it, well, why would a player that good be trying out yeah. for a team in a, you know, he played in good leagues anyway. Um, and so basically, he had the option of going back to his old team in Milan. Was it in Milan? Yeah, uh, he knew the coach very well. Um, he was talking to Air as well. He yes, talked to he Jim was. Lynch up in Air. Um, but he had a good feel about Cardiff, and the guy, you know, he he wanted to change and you know change the scenery, um, but he didn't know you know what kind of deal. I, and I don't think Heaves could offer him kind of the money that he wanted at the time. So. He almost wanted an opportunity to prove himself. So he said, right, I'll come to training camp yeah. and I'll kind of show you, you know, show you what I'm up to. So that's why he ended up as a, a trialist. But I didn't know any different at the time. I just thought this guy, you know, come on. Oh, actually, he's pretty good. And Bess, <laughs> Bess was telling me the other day when I met up for a cup of coffee with him after, I don't know, either the first practice or the first game, he sent Ivan Machulik to, to his hotel room. And basically, Machulik did his best Schwarzenegger impression. <laughs> the both of them said, you're not going. You're, you're, st- you're, you're <laughs> staying. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if you get a knock on your hotel room door and you get told to do some environment, you're like, well, oh, you, you do, do it, do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so so we had Vez, he came over a few days before camp, 
uh, and travelled with us across then to, to Brest. Um, and then we had um, the guys meeting us over there. Mm-hmm. So we talked about Beavis, which we now know is <laughs> Mario Svavenko. Mario Svavenko. Mario Marcus. Mario Svavenko. Mario, yeah. Mario Svavenko. Stefan Zisch, yeah. who ended up signing for us. Uh, One Punch. Yeah. Still don't know his name. Does Fez not know who One Punch is? No, I should have asked him his name. You knew One Punch. Oh, we talk about One Punch. Everybody <laughs> knows. Nobody ever forgets One Punch. <laughs> but we, we don't know his name. We didn't I don't take... know whether I want to know now. No. I don't no. know whether One Punch is like... I thought Ken Priestley knew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have to, we have to ask Ken. Um, but yeah, so... Those... George Swan as well. Sorry, I always forget. I always throw George Swan into any devil's conversation. Yeah, seems like this was really there, obscure... Yeah, he was. It yeah. was that year as well. And of course, the uh, the other sort of massive news was that Glenn Anderson yes. was with us and was uh, going to skate with us all pre-season and they were in talks to, to sign him yeah. and believe the money was £9,000 a week um, because all this Sky money was going to come in the next year after. Yes. It didn't quite happen. but um, So was Glenn Anderson essentially a devil's trialist? I Without a contract. Glenn, he, he Glenn Anderson was trying out the devil. So yeah. The devil's trying out Glenn Anderson. He's trying out the stake in the Cardiff City Centre. Um, but, but the best thing about it was that Glenn Anderson came across to Brest with us for training camp and didn't touch the ice once. <laughs> he he lit, legitimately did not put his skates on once. I don't even know if he had his gear with him. But he just kind of you know hung about and waited for us after practice. And then in he'd come and do a bit of stretching. And then would his girlfriend or whoever she was at the time would come in and she'd have the uh, old Jofa one piece suits on and <laughs> like the sweat gear, but she had these on and she was like just in our dressing room doing like kind of inappropriate stretches in front of all the guy. And we just, we almost didn't dare look at her because it's Glenn Anderson's girlfriend. And, but it was, yeah, it was quite quite yeah. the bizarre thing that, you know, she was just kind of just hanging out in the dressing room when we're all, uh, yeah. Obviously, you know, this isn't broadcast, but Franny's actually showing off some of those inappropriate stretches. Right now. <laughs> Just, uh, yeah. I wish I could stretch into those positions. But, uh, I think I'd snap but uh, yeah, so that, that was the start of, of Brest. So we had this, this training camp. We had, um, you know, a, a couple of games of them. Um, you know, we had one punch skating round without tying his skates up, I think I said before. And we're like, what are you doing? You haven't got your skates done up strengthening his ankles that's what he was doing yeah. he'd been told probably by ken Priestley, <laughs> um, to strengthen your ankles by skating around with no no laces and your skates and then <laughs> and then in the game it all sort of kicked off as we talked about you know they tend to be kind of feisty because it's Evans' first games and all the testosterone's flying around and he went to throw a punch a guy steps on a stick falls over and he comes to the bench one punch that's all it took and, and the legend was born <laughs> Um, but yeah, I remember, you know, we had some great nights out after those games. Um, I remember going into, uh, the bar that we were recommended to go into, mm. um, we turn up and it was quite sort of plush in there and they, you know, looking us up and down and we're yeah. like, oh, we just played against Brest, Cardiff Devils. Yeah. And they looked at us and yeah, you can go in, you can go in, you can go in, you can go in. And the one guy they turned down was Sh- Shannon Hope. Really? So they turned down wow. Shiny because he had trainers on and we all had dress shoes on yeah. and you know this bar insisted that dress code was you had you had yeah. dress shoes on 
So in we go, and, and Shiny hasn't got in, and we kind of like laugh because it's funny because it's Shannon. <laughs> and then next thing you know, like I don't know, half an hour, forty five minutes has gone by. You look around, and Shiny's in the bar, and you're like, Shiny, <laughs> what happened? And he goes, I got my shoes on, and with that, he does a pirouette on one foot, and you look at the floor, which was lovely kind of mahogany oh wood floor, and you see all these circles in it yeah. where Shiny has gone back to the hotel and put his golf spikes on <laughs> and he's worn his golf spikes to the Excellent. door. They've looked down, they've looked yeah. like shoes, they've let him in. So he's tap dancing through the bar <laughs> and doing pirouettes, just carving big grooves out of their uh, lovely yeah. mahogany floor. <laughs> Which couldn't sum up Shannon it's, more yeah. than... It's probably going to be an episode on Shannon. I'm guessing there's a lot of stories. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll definitely do one of those in the future. Um, so that was the kind of first tour away um where else have we been in, uh, the other one that, that comes to to mind straight away was um our tour of hungary so it was the first year of the bbt bbt wasn't ready yet um, it six or seven yeah it must yeah be. it would yeah. have been this um, this when you sailed across the bay they had the meet the supporters well, we did, yeah, night in, so the night before yeah we had the Meet the Players the Terranova uh, in Terranova. I remember. And we got the boat across from sort of uh, Panath End. Yeah. Came in on the boat and they introduced us one by one and we got off the boat like rock stars <laughs> and we went up, you know, the up to the, stair, the spiral yeah. stairs, up to yeah. the sort of crow's nest yeah. up on, on there. And, you know, we were introduced and the place was absolutely jam packed and it was. Uh, you know, it was, it really felt like what an introduction, mm -hmm. especially for the new guys. I and mean, we had quite a, a few new guys. Yes. The Mark Smith, Mark Smith yeah. Lucas Comrade, Lucas Comrack, all yeah. those guys. Just give yeah. a bit of context to anyone who wasn't a fan at the time. Um, I guess there was a chance that there wasn't going to be a team that year. Manchester had, had uh, mothballed the year before. Manchester because... mothballed. And, and there was the there was the 100 Club that year. Was it the 100 Club? Yeah, which, that which was the 100 Club. I know club. I was a part of where... I think it was, we used to have these crisis meetings in St. Peter's Hall. The Devils have always had crisis meetings in some really interesting places. Yeah. Like the St. Peter's Hall, I remember one in Coco Gorillas in Cadiz. <laughs> yeah. uh, so wherever, wherever we have a crisis meeting, we, we always choose an interesting venue. And I remember Bob <laughs> saying, look, the rink's not going to be ready until whatever. Um, you know, we're going to train in Bristol, but to get through until that point, we need, you know, 500 uh, fans or 100 fans or... Was it 100 fans or 500 fans? Was it 100 fans or 500 pounds? I know, it put, 100 a, I know it put a huge dent in my bank account. My <laughs> partner at the time almost killed me. Um, so yeah, we we, um, we all put money in to, to keep the Devils going. We played uh, some of our home games at Basingstoke. It is. Um, and, and what have you. So Coventry at Bristol, as well. Training at Bristol, played at, at Coventry. Um, so that was, yeah. So that, that tour of Hungary would have preceded a season where... As you say, Manchester just left the MEN or 9X in old money and, and, and mothballed. And um, the Devils did well to, to Without to the 100 going. Club, there was a chance that the Devils would have to mothball. Yes. Yeah. I, I remember it. at that, there was a lot of negativity going into that meeting. And Ed was the coach at the time, he was. wasn't he? And then he... Actually, it might even be Mike Ackland. Got Mike Ackland and he announced the Mike Ackland announced the signings. So there was five new signings, wasn't there? Yeah. There was Mark Smith, there was Lucas Comrade, yeah. there was Max Beerbrier, yeah. Dave Aganazzo. Dave Aganazzo, yeah. yeah. Um, so all these guys. And, you know, it was another like PR masterpiece where yeah. everyone's gone in like with pitchforks, <laughs> yeah. you know, expecting to, you know, really tie the devils up in knots about what's going on with this team and then come away going, I can't wait to see that. Yeah, go? <laughs> have my money, have my money. And yeah. So I, I think that speaks to that, that um, meet the players night, there was such a, a fever yeah. because people 
genuinely thought that they might not be a team that yeah, year. Yeah, yeah. And thanks to John's money, we, uh, <laughs> we got to go to Hungary on pre-season You're tour. welcome, Franny. So thanks for, my, thanks for my holiday there. Maybe one day they'll name a podcast after me. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the night before, so you talked about it, we came off the boat, we'd gone into Terra Nova. What the supporters didn't know and probably don't know that I'm going to fess up now um, is that earlier that day, we had got offered tickets for the Rolling Stones gig in uh, was Millennium? Millennium Stadium. Yeah, yeah it would have been Millennium Stadium then. Yes. Yeah. Um, so we got tickets for the Rolling Stones. So we are pumped. The new guys are coming in <laughs> yeah. into this fantastic capital city, and we're going to go and see the Rolling Stones. <laughs> but we got the Meet the Players night. <laughs> so we hatched this plan, and we got Ed to sign up to it, that Ed was going to allow us to come in for an hour, but make yeah. it clear, look, these guys have got pre-season training. <laughs> We're flying to Hungary tomorrow. Yeah. We want to start camp sharp. So we need to get these guys away to bed so they get a good sleep ahead of the travel day I remember tomorrow. That, yeah. yeah, so you remember that? Yeah. What we actually did is jump in the nearest taxi, <laughs> headed as quick as the taxi could go to the Millennium Stadium, and got there after three songs of the Rolling Stones, oh. went straight into the bar, filled out those carry buckets <laughs> with beers and had a night at the Rolling Stones concert. So, <laughs> so, so, so that's why we left the meet the players early. Um, and then from there, so we're already like a few beers deep. So uh, some of the guys said, right, I need to go home. You know, everyone's yeah. married, got to go home and see my girlfriend, yeah. uh, my wife, pack. Not, not the married guys seeing girlfriends, okay. sorry. <laughs> that. The married guys go home and see their wives or other guys go and see their girlfriends, you know, and spend time with them before we're going away because it was 10 days yeah, away was, to, yeah. to Hungary. Um, the single guys of us, we're like, no, we're out out now. <laughs> uh, so we had, we had already dropped our bags off before Terra Nova. Oh, so we knew that our bags were on the bus. So you're going straight through. Yeah. So we go to the Rolling Stones concert. Then we end up going in Soda Bar everybody else was like meant to go home and then we were we were at some point going to go home yeah. and um you know lock the house properly and everything <laughs> but we ended up um going right the way through so it was myself paul yeah. sample it's actually when paul met his now wife Lindsay. Oh, okay. and, and, you know, um so that's the first night he have ever met her you're just trying to justify now you're trying to justify <laughs> being unprofessional it is a great advert for just drinking <laughs> through the night yeah. like, <laughs> the day before pre-season yeah um so, so yeah, we, so we got to this stage where like at kind of probably 12 o'clock, we're mm. thinking, right, we should probably head home, get four hours sleep in us. I think the bus was leaving yeah. at four for the airport and then it became one o'clock. And then it was like, you, you're going to get that bulletproofness. Yeah. We are not leaving this bar until Ed Patson rings us. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we're in there and we're all signed up to it. So they kick us out of the bar, like soda bar was probably three o'clock. So we're like, well, we're not going home now. So we went to Charleston's. So we're in Charleston's for a steak. And I remember we sat down, the steaks arrived. We literally take a couple of mouthfuls and Ed's like, Franny, where are you guys? The bus is ready to go. We're like, okay, we'll be on our way now. So we left our steaks, jumped in a taxi, straight yeah. on the bus, in, in our going out gear, plain oh. as day what we've been doing. But luckily we'd had the, the foresight to pack our gear. Yeah. And my dad still, still reminds me every time I'm with Sam's in Cardiff, about he then went over my house the day after to I yeah. don't know pick something up or whatever it was, and there was windows still open, 
the TV was still on, the laptop was in full view through the window. We had literally just abandoned my house because Samson was living with me at the time, Samson, Samson Voffer. So we, you know, it was, it was the three of us that had stayed out all night, not even gone home and just literally abandoned my house. And I think we're lucky we even locked the door, but... Uh, Do you think Andrew Lord would have signed up for that plan? <laughs> I, I don't think I'd have tried the... Uh, I'm not even until Andrew Lord phones me. <laughs> By the way, anyone uh, listening who isn't from Cardiff, Charleston's is a magnificent steakhouse in Cardiff that once upon a time famously didn't really close. Yeah, and this was the place I mentioned Glenn Anderson with the steaks. The, 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 his big contribution was buying the team steaks on the Devil's Credit Card, wouldn't it? Yeah, so that's, that's a good, yeah, the Glenn Anderson story. So he's, yeah, so we'll jump back to Hungary, but we'll go to Glenn Anderson. He, the whole time he was in um, France, didn't go on the ice, didn't really eat with us. He was always out traveling, doing something. Back into Cardiff then for another, whatever it was, two weeks. Didn't really see him in training, you know, but in, in uh, I, I remember that he'd eaten in every good restaurant in Cardiff, so he was then branching out to, yeah. you know, all sorts. Um, and then the last day when we didn't actually sign him because he got a deal in the Swiss League. Yes. He invited as a goodbye, he invited us all for, for steaks in another great steakhouse, um, which was... Not Champers, was it? No, was it, Cha- is, it wasn't Charleston. No, it wasn't was Champers then. No, it was Taurus. Yes, okay. Taurus. So he invited us uh, to Taurus for steaks, and we were like, well, you know, NHL guy, you know, money, we're going to have the best steaks. So fillet steaks and all the beers, and he was just like, yeah, guys, order what you want, order what you want. So we were really kind of <laughs> making the most of this, and, you know, off we went, well, that's good, you know, Glenn Anderson's yeah. just uh, really up. Really sorted the boys out there, and then we found out after he had a team credit card, and when I can't remember what the bill was, but it was you can imagine three weeks of Glenn Anderson <laughs> eating out everywhere possible and inviting all the boys for a steak. Yeah. It all went on the devil's yeah. credit card. Ten Joffa onesies. Ten Joffa onesies. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So where were we? We were back to, to Hungary. Yes, uh, you're on the bus. Yeah. Yes, yeah. you're on the bus. We, we are on the bus. So so we got promised. <laughs> as part of these pre-season plans you know we were mega excited because we were going for 10 days to budapest yeah so budapest is you know quite renowned yeah, beautiful. a great town mm-hmm. you know we're not thinking of the beauty we're not thinking of the, the are you not the doing river. the cathedrals and the no 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 <laughs> okay um, but i now know it's it's two sounds on the side of the river buda and pest i yes. know that yeah um but so we're, we're sort of planning this amazing trip and you know into budapest and keep well, in mind, just him and Samson are still dressed. Yeah. Wow. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're ready to go when we arrive. Um, we were actually in Dunava, um, which is an hour outside Budapest. Mm. So when you're in Hungary, an hour outside Budapest is, is a big difference. So yeah. The Merthyr Tidville of Hungary. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I bet that's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. So, Merthyr's lovely. Yeah, so we were staying in this hotel, which was actually, it was, it was okay. Yep. It, was, it was pretty decent. And that was pretty much all that was in our whole town. It was the hotel, the ice rink, yeah. and uh, Tesco's, of all things. So five. Two jabs at five. You jabbed at five. I didn't jab at five. Okay, fine. Um, yeah, so, and we had 10 days there. So we were, you know, looking forward to all this, you know, kind of going out and stuff like that. And it wasn't until day something like day seven or eight that we actually found out there was a club in this town so we had an in- interpreter that was with us steve-o uh steve-o the interpreter <laughs> so he's with us the whole time spoke really good english 
really looked after it, great guy. And we just assumed there's nothing going on. And we're like, Steve, oh, this place mm. could do with like a nightclub or something. He goes, you're on a nightclub, I'll take you to a nightclub. We're like, ah, oh, Steve, <laughs> come on. So we end up going to this, this nightclub. It was really good, but really weird. There was like stage dancers, not wearing very much, but they were like, there was guys and girls there. So it was like really weird to see guy stage dancers in those days, yeah. especially when they are uh, next to nothing on. But anyway, um, great to be out, especially mm. having seven days like sat in your hotel room watching CNN because that's the only channel <laughs> that's on the TV. Uh, next thing you know, a fight breaks out and we're like, oh, like a fight's going on. And then we see young Alex Simmons in the middle of it uh, where some, some guy had taken exception to an English speaking guy that had been there and Simo had done all right. And, yeah. you know, the bouncers have gone in and, and they said, is he with you? And they, uh, we're like, yeah. Uh, there could be a problem here because the guy he's just had a fight with is the son of the chief of police. <laughs> <laughs> so there was that. Um, but anyway, luckily we found somebody that was a big ally of the team, or maybe Steve-O had found yeah. a guy that was a big ally of the team. And, you know, he basically told the bouncers to tell yeah. him nothing had happened. So he looked after us. So there's all these kind of connections going on. We discovered the worst shot in the world is the best shot in the world. It's called Unicum, which is Unicum Zvak. And it's got like a cross on it and you can see why. Um, so this is Steve-O would introduce us to this shot. I love Steve. We got to get Steve yeah. on the yeah, show. So, yeah. so what we didn't realize about Steve-O is that he, <laughs> he was actually um, teetotal for the last three or four years. But because we were out and we were getting these shots of Unicum inside us, we were egging him on. So he ended up doing shots with us and he ended up the night wasted. And then it was the next day we sort of saw him with his head in his hand saying that he hadn't drank for like so many years. So I'm not sure if he was just, just thrown his key ring away. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not sure if he was a recovering alcoholic. It sounds very much like it, but we kind of got him to fall off the, uh, off the wagon. Um, but yeah, hell of a night out in, in Hungary. Um, yeah, mixed in with the highlight of every night was uh, the taxi ride to Tesco's where we could spend an hour going around choosing which bottled water we were going to get. And, <laughs> Uh, anything to kind of entertain yourself because it was it was definitely not 10 days in Budapest okay so just to clarify at the end um, I love Fife Fife my second favourite team I know the Fife fans can be a, a, sometimes a little um, uh, aggressive so I, I did make a joke about Fife I, I love Fife was that the third dig <laughs> no they can be a bit in a nice way they can be aggressive can we just describe Steve-O before we leave because I've got a, an image in my mind of what he looks like, but I, I I've got can't... an image in my mind of just a Welsh bloke who's just <laughs> pretending <laughs> to speak <laughs> speak on camera. Probably was. I don't know. Well, Steve-O was like, yeah, he, he just looked like a very professional guy, and he yeah. knew he was. He was a great, great guy, great interpreter. Took us to this club and was willing to take us there sober, but obviously it didn't work out that way. <laughs> but yeah, um, tell you what, I did realise only this weekend was that. Um, we played against Fehavar on the weekend, and the first game of that Hungary trip was against Fehavar mm -hmm. in, in Fehavar. We trained in Dunava, we went out for this game in Fehavar, um, and, and had a really quite an intense game as the games were on the weekend, yes. so maybe that's just their style. Um, but uh, yeah, we played against them, we played against Dunava, and we played against the Hungarian national team, and we had a guy who wanted to try out um, for our team, who was from Hungary, didn't have a team, uh, and he looked dead like Jerome McGinley. So he obviously became Iggy. Yeah. So he was on our team. And also in that last game, for some reason, I don't even know what the reason behind it was, 
we dressed our equipment manager, a guy called Stu or Disco Stu. <laughs> so we had Disco Stu on our team as well. So he played a few shifts, but honestly looked like he was going to die at the end of the first shift. He wasn't in the best shape. Sorry, Stu, if you're listening. Yeah. Um, but uh, he played against the Hungarian national team <laughs> in the, in the Delaware ring. There's just so many Steve-o. threads to pull out there. <laughs> Steve-o, alcoholism. <laughs> <laughs> Topless dancer. Yeah, bottomless dancer. Bottomless well, dancer. Like, <laughs> Steve going to his next meeting. I, yeah, what, yeah. what happened, Steve? Yeah. <laughs> it's been yeah, two the, days. The debrief so. from the uh, the tour guide uh, didn't go so well. Uh, is that it for tours? Is that the only preseason? Well, they're banned from now? Europe now. The yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Between that and the dead bodies on the European tours in the, the, the yeah. mid-90s. Yeah, I mean... When we, uh, first year of uh, the Steve King, Todd Kalman, etc. regime, um, you know, one of the cries that we'd had from the fans, and obviously as a, as a new business, we were trying to do things a little yeah. bit differently, um, was that fans were bored of the same old pre-season. I mean, we will go back to like the Coventry sort of pre-seasons because yeah. I think there's kind of a good few talking points about those. Um, but people wanted to see foreign opposition, mm. didn't they? So um, we asked uh, around... Um, and got in contact with uh, that was Brest again, wasn't it? Um, yes. So we we played against yeah we did we played yeah, against yeah, Brest we did but we played them at home. Uh, Those games are still on YouTube somewhere. I well, this is the one where we played the return game like the February. Didn't well, yeah, we? this, is, this yeah. is what I'm going to say. The, the 19 hour so, bus trip or something. So yeah, we uh, obviously Todd runs things very well. So we said to Brest, we will pay for you to come over and we'll pay everything. Yeah. So, you know, from the moment you arrive in the UK, yeah. we take care of you. So we sent a top-notch executive coach up to the airport to pick him up, brought him in, he stayed in a lovely hotel, um, you know, looked after them, all their meals taken care of, everything they wanted, you know, towels in the dressing room, everything, and that was it. And they came over and they were, like, blown away with the sort of hospitality and, and all that. Um Part of the deal was we would have to go and play them because obviously if they were in the UK during that week, mm-hmm. they weren't getting a home game and they were a sort of a tight ship as mm-hmm. well as, as we were in that first year yes. because we just didn't know how it was going to be. Um, so they said, look, we, we need that home gate at some point. And there was, I think, a, an Olympic break in uh, yeah. February mm-hmm. when we might have been across in Japan. Possibly. That, that rings yeah. a bell. Olympic so we, we had that like yeah. kind of thing. So we said, uh, you know, We'll, we'll play them in mm-hmm. February and we thought actually you know well all the other teams might be on the on the booze you know mm-hmm. because they got a week off we'll go across we'll fly across to France it's not far uh, you know we'll play that game we'll keep the legs going and all that and actually that could do us uh, some good we were very wrong I didn't actually go on the trip um, felt a bit bad about that but I, uh, I took the opportunity to, to go away with my family to Bluestone mm-hmm. very nice place uh, and I obviously had you know, the way better end of the deal because uh, Brest didn't quite treat us the same way that we treated them. So the flight was into Paris. It was then a six-hour bus trip on paper. Mm. However, they sent a somewhere a 16-seater coach. No, no, 16-seater coach. Sorry, like a 30-seater coach yeah. for 20-odd hockey guys. The bags couldn't fit in the boot because it wasn't big enough. So the bags are in the bus. You know, guys are doubled up on seats. Yeah. Um, the driver goes sort of a few hours. The, the, the guys are starving. Can we stop for food? He refused. Then he stops somewhere without any food and says, right, I need a, an hour break now because my hours are up. Yeah. So they sat there. So this 
this travel day ended up yeah it was well over 12 hours and you know we had guys on the like tall guys on the bus that are cramped you know two on a seat yeah so you imagine like you know right in the middle of the season you got a guy like andrew hotham or something <laughs> Well, this is a team with Trevor Hendricks, Doug Clarkson, Tyson Marsh, Jesse Mitchin. Yeah, and they're all cramped up on this this bus and, you know, then they go into those games and it it was just, I think, pretty miserable. And, you know, you look back at that when we end up losing the the league by one point, well, we tied, didn't we? Tied for the league, you know, that might well have cost us the, Mm. uh, cost us the league that year. Ah, Brest gives us one punch. Takes away a league title. Yeah. yeah. Uh, funny enough, the, uh, the the long-standing relationship between two like um, Celtic clubs, as we were yeah, talking about in the summer, when we were really excited about this. You know, this wasn't just going to be for this year. It's going to be a long-standing relationship. Funny enough, it ended up <laughs> after that trip. 